Alrighty, and hello, and welcome back to another edition of Kent and the Steering. Hold on, you two are gonna really kick, kill me. We gotta do yes, that again I because am. I completely missed that, and then I was like, wait, did they just all click? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, we'll go again. Are you ready? These things get recorded. <laughs> All right, sorry. Okay. I was reading something and I was like, hold on, what just fucking happened? Oh okay. Anyway. Okay. We good. Okay, here's the countdown. For Bianca's sake, this is the countdown. <laughs> I am now going to count down from three to start the show. Are you ready? Ready. Yes. Three, two, one... back to another edition of Kent and the Steering Team for yet another week. Yes, we are back. We are back again for fun and frivolity as always. Joined by myself, Phil, my good mate, Drew. Somewhat present is Bianca, it seems. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Kent isn't with us. He's actually found a new television show to binge, and that is Community at the request of Drew. Anyway, on with the show. Team, how are we? We are here, we are present, and we are sorry. <laughs> and we are enjoying the fact that we could hear Bianca's muffled giggling as you intro <laughs> Yes, yes, of course. Uh, satisfying, satisfying and lovely. Now, you know what, in somewhat uncomplete, unrelated... Uncomplete? That's a new uh, un- one. No, un- unrelated situations. I didn't know where I was going with the sentence, and I still don't, but it doesn't matter. Um, we've got some topics for today's episode. Now, we're going to try and rattle off through as... Rattle off through? We're going to try to... Try, damn it. We're going to try and rattle through as many as we can. We're starting with the second half of our The Last of Us Part 1 um, run-through, uh, because Drew has now completed it. Obviously... Excuse me, I just burped. Obviously, the second one. Um, I burped because I had waffle toast. Um, the second one has been out. Bianca and I have finished it. Drew has not, but we will get to a review of that very shortly, unless Drew is able to find a copy of it in the next couple of days, in which case he can begin that and hopefully have it done by the time we do a review. Otherwise, he will miss out. Anyway, um, yes, he's completed the first game. We're going to go through the rest of that, obviously pick up the story where we left it off last time. Um, we do have a what the quote for you as well, as well as the answer to last week's. Obviously, there's a second of the week, and if we have time this week, as we're supposed to in the last part of talking about The Last of Us Part 1, we'll try and get to a couple of other topics, including the awesome news that there is a new um, Crash Bandicoot game coming out. Uh, It's about time. It is about time. Literally. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, let's get to the to the show. Drew, do you remember where we left off the show? Well, the, well now the that thing. now that Phil's done waffling, <laughs> see what I did there. Yeah, because I'd waffle toast and I waffled. Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting the last minute and a half to use that line. Was it satisfying? Probably about as satisfying as his waffle toast. I see. Wow, that's pretty satisfying. Mm. <laughs> Well, you What's, got there in the what, end. Is it, well is it Snickers that really satisfies? Is that the chocolate bar? Yes. No, that's, I think it's Snickers. Oh, I, thought, I thought Snickers was, you're not you if you're hungry. Yeah, but the old slogan was Snickers really satisfies. 
I don't know. I've never liked Snickers, so I couldn't tell you. Anyway, on with the show. Uh, yes, I completed The Last of Us. It took a week and a half, but I did it. That, for those of you that don't know me, I am notoriously slow at video games, but this one I could not put down. So the fact that I finished it in a week and a half is nothing short of phenomenal. Absolutely. And a true testament to the game itself. Absolutely. Um, where, where did we leave us? We left us at university. the university. Now, how, how far into the university did we discuss? Did we just, we just say arrived. as we arrived there? We or? just arrived at the university. Yeah, okay. So we've arrived at the university. I'm prancing around on the horse trying to figure out where on earth I am meant to go. That took me a good 10 minutes before I actually figured it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way too long. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed the university section of the game. I found it quite interesting and I felt like I'd finally gotten a good handle on the game and that I was starting to uh, starting to move quite autonomously through the game. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I was having to second guess the controls at any point. I had mm. finally found my groove with it, which was really fun and, and different because I'm, I'm used to game hopping a lot yeah. and I forget my controls quite frequently. So it was really nice to to feel like I didn't have to try and think too hard. I could just enjoy the game as it was. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, progressed into the university, finally made my way into it all. and You found a big reflective we... building that looked like glass? Yes, I did. I did, actually. Um, I, do, you, do you know what the funny part was? I had gotten so sick of trying like so sick of dying frequently from just being overwhelmed by enemies and i had spoken to you guys and you're like yeah you you can essentially just quietly dodge everything and run yeah you don't you don't necessarily have to battle or to kill everything so i had to i had to go through the building to be able to open the gate and, uh, and I you found a bloater. Yeah, and I it wasn't just the bloater. I I simply didn't attack anyone. I just snuck through the whole thing mm-hmm. because I did not want to have to deal with there, it. There, there is a great part to this game that you can play it balls to the wall. I'm going to attack everyone, or you can do it stealth. But you've got to like they they give you so limited ar- ammo that you have to figure out how to be strategic. Yeah. No, I noticed that with it, and this was, this was one of those moments where I I really liked the fact that I could just be stealthy. It actually made it feel even more fun in that sequence, and yeah, got through, sort of muddled around a little bit around the university, just trying to get my bearings and figure out where I'm meant to go because it is very open world in that university, so it took a while to figure out what direction I was meant to be heading in and what I was meant to be doing. But once I got the hang of it and got into the main building, um, along with Ellie, then the ball really got rolling. And I, again, your advice in my head going just scrounge for everything Hmm. was ringing loud and clear. So I actually picked up quite a lot, uh, going from room to room throughout the buildings I did wind up in a massive killing spree up on one of the top floors of one of the buildings. And Mm. then it basically went to all hell breaking loose shortly after, which leads us to the, the end of what I believe is known as part one of it. 
Well, the end yes. of yes. Yeah, part one of the game of of the, ge- yeah. the Last of Us, the, the first, first game. game. Yeah, yeah. I, I the more I read about it, the more I'm realizing that where I got to was actually a definitive split in the game because even the soundtrack is actually split at that point. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. As as I, I was talking about it just before off air um, about Mondo and their special edition vinyls, but they actually did a special edition for volume one and volume two of the last of us soundtrack. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and they've also done a release for the soundtrack for part two as well. Huh. Also cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't mind the soundtrack from the second one, but yeah, the first game's got a wonderful soundtrack and you're right. It does change it that, you know, basically between what was f- fall or winter and, and into, well, fall, and into winter. Yeah. You know what I found interesting? That it was the fall and that they took that quite literally for Joel. And yeah. I thought that was an interesting because parallel. Because yes. what does happen at the university is that they get their... Joel and Ellie get their... They are supposed to be fighting the Fireflies, but they find that the Fireflies have actually abandoned the place. It looks like the Fireflies got attacked. And then you find an awesome freaking flamethrower, which is one of my favorite weapons in the game, the flamethrower. Um, mm. So much fun. That was a very fun find. Well, well, actually, and what also happens at, at that university is that you find a whole series of um, tape recorders, which all seem to detail. Again, it, it almost becomes a, a plot hole for the second game. Um, but basically... A bunch of tape rock recorders detailing how they're failing at finding a vaccine or being able to make a vaccine or that the human trials have failed or the, you know, any sort of tests with people have failed. Um, it's a lost cause. It's not a good idea to do it because there's no point. This isn't working. It's actually not possible to make a um, vaccine for a fungus. Um, yada, yada, yada. They have a bunch which of monkeys is there, which you also true. It is scientifically true. That is actually a fact. But anyway... Um, obviously, it's a plot hole um, that the second one decided to take advantage of because it loved having plot holes the second game. Um, we also uh, we discover that some of the scientists there which were testing the monkeys get attacked by the monkeys and then get infected themselves, and that's why there's no one at the university. And But as, as Drew said, yeah, we then discover or accidentally stumble across a bunch of scavengers, which is the word I was looking for the other time we had this thing, couldn't remember the word starting with S, it was scavengers. Um, and we come across some scavengers, and then they try to attack us. Completely unprovoked attack us. Um, and then, yeah, Joel gets into a... Scuffle. A fight with one of them, a scuffle <laughs> with one of them, and falls through the fence, and absolutely nails himself on a rusty bar sticking up from the ground. And then... At that point, then you think you he's going to die. You're all actually. You think he's going to die because there's blood pooling everywhere. And the he's gameplay becomes so. It feels oh, laggy tough. almost. Laggy, slow, impossible. And Ellie starts taking control in that situation. Um, she helps you on the horse, and then, yeah, he falls off the horse, and we hear Ellie scream, "Joel!" And then it's winter. That moment is such like a powerful moment though where it just blacks out and then mm-hmm. there's white like blinding mm. white on the screen and it says winter like that's well and it's it's the peak it's the piece of that moment that suddenly 
it feels different. It feels empty, but also at the same time, it feels completely different. And then we see the rabbit, and you're almost like, what is this? Is this like new life? Is this, what is this? And then along comes an arrow. Oh, yeah, the arrow that snuffs out the little bunny. Yes, it does. Bye-bye, bunny. It's so peaceful. Now, it's so peaceful, and then suddenly it's dead. Uh, Drew, what did you think of the opening scenes in winter? In fact, what did you think of the winter scenes? What did you think of this suddenly very open world, very minimalistic, very what the fuck are you doing? And you almost feel lost. I loved winter. Mm. I absolutely love winter. Um, it was an incredible change of pace. And I started feeling as if I was never going to play as Ellie. And then it happened. Mm-hmm. That right took there. me by surprise. Yep. But that was a wonderful surprise to have. Well, well, you said it was a wonderful surprise. What I what I love about it about it was that during production and marketing for the game, they never mentioned that you were going to play as Ellie, even to the media. Um, mm. Even in reviews, people were never told that you'd play as Ellie. So it was a surprise for everyone. And I loved in how you played as Ellie there was vast differences to how you played as Joel. Like, some games where you play as two characters, and I'll take it to Assassin's Creed, where you play as the twins. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same for both characters. Like, there's no difference between the gameplay. They have, like, different-looking actions, but it's not more or less difficult to play as one. But it was actually more difficult to play as Ellie. Like, because she is supposed to be younger and smaller and all that. Like... It wasn't the exact same as playing with Joel. You had different limitations. Uh, but And she had a knife, which was, like, amazing because you didn't have to make a shiv every five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was but, really good but because... But the, the knife has its limitations, though, as well. Yeah, but... I mean, it, 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 it does, certainly, you know, and it's less there's less physicality to it. You can't be as kind of gung-ho with it as, as you could with Joel. And also the fact that your skill points and and your upgrades and stuff like that you know your um, health all, all back at the be- yeah it was all back at the beginning again mm. so it was you're halfway through the game but you're starting over again it's like oh my god like and in some ways that's exactly how ellie would have been feeling it's like suddenly she's on her own so she doesn't have that kind of backup or that support now she's having to do everything everything is harder now because she's on her own and and so i think that they um, I, I think that the, the gameplay directors and writers worked so closely with the story writers and the, you know, they, you know, the, the visionaries for the game, Neil Druckmann, Bruce Straley, they really worked together on this, on this concept because it meant that they were able to have a cohesive vision. They were able to both achieve the same goals. Um, you know, the story was, you know, took this turn for the worse. The gameplay takes a turn for the worse, you know. It's it suddenly it's stacked against you, and so again, the gameplay reflected the story, and it was exactly. nice. It, that was a really nice feeling. So again, side we've... note: that's what's missing in the second one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every dig. Okay. I was just gonna say. Okay. So we've skipped ahead again towards just describing how we felt about it. But so what happens in this chapter is that because we've gone through, I was listening to the other podcast. We've described everything that happens in the game. So might as well continue the storytelling. Uh, Ellie mm-hmm. finds herself alone. She's hunted this rabbit that she's killed in a very you just didn't see it coming. You just see a rabbit and then you see an arrow. Um, she's killed that rabbit. Then she comes across a deer. And mm-hmm. I think this is the first time you're using a bow and arrow in the game. 
Uh, no, you because you have you you get the bow and arrow from Buildstown, but you don't. You much rather use a gun than the arrow. I very rarely used the arrow. Yeah, I never upgraded the arrow. There's never really a yeah. point with Joel where it's better to use the arrow. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now yeah. it's always better to use the arrow with Ellie because mm-hmm. it is the silent weapon, and you she she's not the, as good with hand to hand as Joel is, obviously. Yeah, I found the arrow preferable. Oh, really? I just think it's a bit slower. That's my. That's my. I I, pre- yeah. I, I love For the Ellie, silence of it, but it's slower. Yeah. I I've I got the hang of it really quickly because I didn't use it with Joel so much at the beginning, but when my hand was forced. Oh yeah, with, to use it with, with Ellie, Ellie, it was a lot more easy to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I with agree. Ellie, it was fantastic. I I thought it was wonderful, and especially when she's and I'm I'm jumping ahead. A, teeny tiny bit in the story but still winter when they're holed up in that building and you've got you've got them coming in from all ends yep mm. that exactly arrow that about. that bow and arrow was a godsend in that instance because you could silently i just picked them all down. off one yep. by one it was beautiful so it still took a couple of goes but yeah it it really helps when you have to silently kill with ellie because she can't obviously jump on their backs as easily as Joel again. <laughs> no, there's a lot more noise there's less stealth yeah. to it. But um, anyway, so Ellie kills the rabbit, she sees this deer she wants to kill the deer and you're still quite unsure you think Joel might be dead at this point. You think mm. Ellie's ab- abandoned by herself. You help her kill the deer um, That took ages though I kept losing track of where it went and having to run around for ages in the snow being like where is this funny thing? Where is the deer? Yeah, it took me a little while. And then once the deer is dead you come across a man who Very friendly man. Very friendly man. He wants some of your deer um, because it's obviously big game Uh, he's willing to exchange it and that's when you find out Joel is in fact alive because Ellie wants to exchange the meat for medicine. I think that one of my favorite conversations that happened in that entire game, it's a scene that I've seen both behind the scenes and seen them um, actually filming the scene, but I've also seen the, the in-scene game many times. Um, and it's one of my favorite, if not, in fact, my favorite voice actor of all time, Nolan North. <laughs> Uh, who plays Nathan Drake and David, who is the very kind man. He's standing there and in his, his somewhat crooked sort of voice says, you know, it's uh, it's almost fate because um, it's funny that you're here and you're looking for medicine. Um, some weeks ago, some of my men were out um, scavenging and uh, they came across this this vicious man and this little girl. And suddenly you realize, fuck, he knows exactly who we are. And he knows exactly why we're looking for that medicine. And he knows exactly where we are. This is terrifying. And at that moment, suddenly you hear him, his voice changes, his demeanor changes, and he suddenly turns to his friend, who you didn't know walked in the room, and says, James, put down that gun. And you go, oh my god, like... He's he's being nice to us, but he's terrifying at the well, same time. Well, because time. you both survive a zombie attack together before that. So you meet him, mm. and then you survive this zombie attack, and you think this is your friends. Well, not friends, but you trust him a bit more because you saved... Well, he saved your life, and then you saved his life. You've survived mm-hmm. this thing together. 
and then he drops that bombshell that he knows exactly who you are. And, in fact, his party is the reason why Joel's very injured, but you also took out quite a few of his men in doing so, so he's a bit pissed. Exactly right. I actually forget that there's a bloater in that scene when you and him are are fighting off the infected. Do Um, you know how long it took me to... I've, I that scene, that part where you 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 have to fight off the bloater and all of those infected that are pouring through the window. Mm. I ended up playing it so many times that I could finally time who comes through what window at what time, and I made enough bombs to just like walk around and put a bomb here, and they're all gonna get died, and then put a bomb on the top mm. of the lift, and they're all gonna die. It took me forever to finish that the very first time I played it. Oh, it was so hard. I ended up just standing in the doorway and sniping down the hallway for ages and then turning around and then, yeah, yeah, stabbing or punching the shit out of him. Um, but yeah, uh, Drew, what was your thoughts on, on meeting David for the first time, the interaction with him, how friendly he seems at first, and then how creepy he almost becomes? I didn't trust him from the get-go, so it was a little bit... But you're not meant to. You're meant to be as trepidatious no. as Ellie is, but then you're meant to almost kind of be won over by him by having to go through a trauma like that together. Yeah, I... It was interesting. I had... I, I was just sitting there sort of waiting for the drop. Like, hmm. where where was it going to happen where it just went, yep, okay, cool. Like, your true intentions are shown. <clears throat> and then, yeah, like it came up pretty quickly, but I found that once we found out who he really was, then it kicked into gear pretty fast. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's the there's the running back and escaping, and we see Joel and the pain that he's in and him being alone there. Um, and then, you know, Ellie goes and snuggles next to him obviously to keep warm but also because you're seeing that they're now connected they are the joint at the hip almost um and then ellie wakes up from her sleep and she looks out the window and there are people coming there are people that are now searching this abandoned town that town that she's been able to seek refuge in with joel and and their horse callus i think the horse's name was um and uh so she's like fuck i've got to get him out of here i've got to lure him away and so she does just that. Yeah, and I liked the back and forth that they had for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting seeing two perspectives of the same sequence and how it just rolled together by the end of it. Mm. I um, I, I appreciated... And I don't know if you noticed that, Bianca. You know when you first play as Joel again after that kind of scene... Obviously, what happens is Ellie goes and... and um, So Ellie's gameplay goes for a little bit further. She goes and rides the horse away. The horse gets killed, unfortunately. Poor Callus. She tumbles down a hill. Then there's a whole lot of sneaking past or, or even killing all of um, folks, I guess, uh, in... Yeah. I don't know. What do you call it? Like a seaside town, I guess? Yeah, I guess you'd call it that seaside town, and then you kind of have to sneak around the edge and and get back into the actual town itself. Well, I think it's I think it's actually just like a massive town, and we were on the like Ellie and Joel were on the edge of it, mm. and um, yeah, it was a seaside town or something where like yeah, beach town or whatever. 
Um, and then you... In the midst of winter. Yeah, and then you get into yeah. it and you've got to get to that. I remember, like, that whole thing being really hard and just running through the entire town the first time. Mm-hmm. And that took me a few goes. Yeah. I The seaside bit. I just bolted and yeah. then I figured yeah. out a way to bolt before anyone got into their path when you have to jump into the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pain in the ass, but... Yeah, it was, oh, God, the winter was such a fun thing. But, yeah, you get into the bar with Ellie, you escape because you do get kidnapped and then you escape mm-hmm. and get kidnapped, well, get trapped with, what was his name again? Now I've forgotten his name. Um, David. 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 Uh, just before that, there's there's one scene that really gives me the shit. So up until that point, from the very moment you, um, from the very moment the horse gets killed, from that point to the point that David captures you, all but one moment can be done in stealth if you want it to be. And I obviously did do it in stealth because I wanted to conserve as much ammo and, you know, as much as I could in health. Um, of course. There's the very last part just before you get captured. You're in you're in what feels like a lodge of some kind. You've climbed through a window and yep. you're trying to sneak through the house to get out into the village proper. Um, and... But yeah, you cannot do that part stealth. There, it's impossible. Everyone sees you. There's someone looking in through a window at you and shooting at you and alerts everyone else. You cannot do that part stealth. I've done it so many times. But finally, you do kill everyone. You barge through the door, and then yeah, you get captured by David. And uh, we suddenly see that they're chopping up meat of some kind, and it is probably not deer. Definitely, definitely, definitely not deer. Um, deer yeah. isn't so human. No. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's not very enjoyable, that part. Uh, but then we suddenly flick back and over and we're Joel. But yes, go on, Bianca. But one of the things that I love about the first game that's not, again, back to the digs, is not so obvious in the second game, is there's so many different levels of evil. Mm-hmm. Um... There's, you know, you find out through the game, as we've discussed before, that Joel was a scavenger and Joel was a hunter and he did do terrible things to ter- to people and then you find... But he's also doing this thing for Ellie and he has other qualities about him and then David is also taking revenge for his people but and he leads them and they all seem to be living okay together but they're also... Mm-hmm not only hunting people for their items, but they're hunting them and using them for meat, which mm. is another level of disgusting. And you you're, you constantly got to compare these to the actual monsters that are the uh, uh, infected, the cordyceps virus uh, victims who are, you know, they're also cannibals, but can you really blame them? They're infected. They don't really know what the fuck they're doing. But then there's people who are constantly making these choices to be the monsters. And Mm. this is sort of a story about people who are doing the wrong things for the right reasons. Yeah. And And you really see it in winter as well. Like you really see it when you compare it, Joel, with what some of the people are in this new world. Was it's just as people are as evil as David and his crew. 
what I find really, really kind of interesting, and you see it throughout the game, there are both infected and humans, basically. And you're always kind of unsure of which one you'd rather face. You know, you get through a phase of the game where you're facing people. Um, you get through phases of the game where you're facing only the infected. And you keep kind of jumping between, oh, God, I wish I was facing people right now, or God, I was wishing, uh, versing the infected right now. You know, you keep jumping between the two because they're both as bad as each other for different reasons. You know, the mm. world is not a, it's a very hostile place at the moment. Um, but yeah, Drew, we, we play as Joel and we see Joel um, basically capture mm. two people, two men. Yep. And play a very interesting but very scavenger-like trick on them in order to find Ellie. Um, which I think is great. And and Bianca, it's that scene that we then see kind of replayed in the second one of sorts, or referred to yeah. in the second one, is, is this scene, um, where Joel ties someone to a chair with his friend facing the other way, and then says, I want you to point on this map to where they're holding Ellie point on the map and then I'm going to go and ask your friend there for the exact same answer and if you point to different spots you're both dead kind of thing so he points <laughs> points on the map and then Joel kills that guy then he walks over to the other guy and then he's like wait 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 I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll tell you where she is and then <laughs> Joel just turns around and says that's okay I trust him and kills him <laughs> smacks him straight across the head and like he's out I loved that yeah, like, you see the rawness of Joel and how overprotective he is of Ellie. Like, he is like, I am going to get her back. Don't you dare cross me. I I love that scene for many reasons because Joel, up until then, has only been hinted at being a vicious person. Mm-hmm. I know, like, up until then you have killed a lot of people, right? But if you think about like the most dramatic deaths up until that point, Tess kills the smuggler whose name I can't remember. I'm terrible at the names. Robert. Robert. Um, Tess kills Robert. Um, Then Tess goes out in a blaze of glory to the other Mm -hmm. uh, Fedra agents. Um, You're only ever defending yourself up until that point. You don't go and attack the hunters. The hunters attack you first. You don't go Mm. and kill anyone viciously. But this is that's the first time when you see that actually Joel is a very dangerous man. Mm. And in fact, Bianca, I think that the most vicious death that we see on camera, besides this one, and again, this is the first one where it's <coughs> on the offensive, is the defensive kill he does against the scavengers when we crash into Pittsburgh and you know, our face is being kind of pushed towards sharp blades of glass um from that 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 drinks fridge that gets smashed open by our head and we're about to get our neck forced through the blade of glass and suddenly joel moves out of the way and jams the guy's head or neck straight along the 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 serration on the blade and it slits his throat and he there's blood everywhere and it's a mess and revolting but that's the that's probably the most gritty dirty kill that we see but man it's a defensive kill like he just got away with that that could have been us and in fact, if you accidentally on purpose don't stop it, the cutscene shows it is you and it is messy. But here I... we are where Joel is now for the first time in the game on the defensive to protect and get back Ellie. Not on the offensive, you mean? Not defensive. Yeah, on the offensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> he, yeah, this is the, that's the first time that I was like, 
the man that you you first start to see that man could possibly exist when uh-huh. he's fighting the neighbor. He kills the neighbor in, with Sarah, like uh-huh. in the very beginning of the game, where it's his neighbor who he's known his entire life, and he shoots uh-huh. him. And then you kind of see it again when there's those people on the road and he doesn't want to help them because he's being protective of his brother and his daughter. Mm-hmm. You see hints of that, but, again, it was just somewhat still shocking to see how vicious he can be, but also it worked perfectly. Like, it wasn't out of the blue, but it was... Yeah. Yeah, it was a well-deserved moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Joel, then... Uh, Joel. Drew, Joel, <laughs> then... Now, I was going to say Drew. I was going to say Joel, Drew, then goes... Drew, Joel then goes... Um, I thought you were just mixing me up with Joel again. No, like I... Like you do frequently. I do frequently, yes. It's funny, I had a phone call with him the other day and I almost said Drew, but no. Joel <laughs> goes... That could have been great. Joel goes via the petrol station into the town, the bell's ringing, because we've just seen in Ellie's cutscene that she's bitten um, David finds out. And David also uh, knows yeah. she's infected now. Knows she's infected, but has bitten his finger... Um, and therefore somewhat infected him, so he goes in a panic. She manages to... She's able to escape. She gets out of there. She goes running. Um, we, we have to sneak as her as many times as we can. And, um... No, of course, we don't see Joel for a little while. We play as Ellie for a while at this moment. We So so we hear the bell start ringing. We see... We, yeah, we, we escape. We escape, David. We hear the bell start ringing, then we... Yeah. Run through the town again. Mm. We run, yeah, and then we end up. Where do we end up? We end up with Joel in that, not with Joel, with David in that diner, and we have to do that thing where there's glass on the ground and escape. Ah, the bloody, the bloody <laughs> glass on the ground. I didn't think until I saw, until I played the second one, I didn't realize I could hate glass on the fucking ground so much. Oh my god, everywhere, and you keep alerting him, and he keeps running after you, but. Ah, uh, like it's tricky, but yeah. But you're. How did, did you know how long it took me to figure out that I could walk like against the wall, kind of like of the not the wall, but the fence area. Yeah, and you can go around walk the grass. Around the grass, yeah. I just Drew, so many times. How did times. you do in that scene? How did you do in that the um the the diner scene with the fire spreading? Oh God, it took forever. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does. Took me it did forever. It's every time I was like, okay, if I move this way and then go here, then I'll miraculously, it'll work. And then as I'm about to, I take two steps and I get shot at, I'm like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Every damn time. It, I lost count how many goes it took before I finally cracked it. it just over and over. And each time I, I thought I'd get a little further. And then after five attempts, the sixth attempt would just be next to nowhere I re- particularly yeah. compared to where i had been getting to i remember one time in my playthrough because like i've played through many a times mm-hmm. um i did that entire scene in less than five minutes i don't, don't know to this day i don't know how i did it like i i snuck around i hit him once did the playthrough snuck around hit him the second time did the playthrough i think you gotta hit him three times 
And then, mm-hmm. but anyway, I ended up hitting him all the times, but I, I did it really quickly. Like I did it in my first, second, like first attempt. And then, yeah, it was, it, and I remember being shocked for like an hour. Like how the fuck did I do that? Yeah, how did I do that? Every other time I've ever played. And then I played it again later and I was never able to accomplish that again. But yeah, such a, such a good scene. Um, and now, so we, at that point, we hit him three times and we both get knocked unconscious and then we jump over to Joel. And now yeah. you're playing as Joel once again on the offensive. You're not on the defensive. You're on the offensive. You're charging through this town. You're trying to sneak through as much as you can. I don't know if you knew this, but there were some secret um, hotel rooms that you could kind of, or motel rooms that you could sneak into via back entrances and stuff at that point, Drew, um, as you first play as Joel again. Um, and then we make our way into the town. And um, as we kind of get into the town center, I guess... Then we jump over and we're playing. We, we see a cutscene as, as Ellie again. And then she very viciously stabs David hundreds of times. Like, well, not hundreds, but, you know, a lot. Of, a lot. Like, she is going all out with everything she has to, like, make sure this man is down. And that changes her, Drew. Yeah. It does. I. I watched it and I thought it was quite a pivotal thing to show in your characters, mm. especially for a video game that, that felt way too deep, something that games don't normally delve into. Mm-hmm. And did you notice that, that Ellie, co- uh, sorry, Joel calls Ellie baby girl? Yeah. Yeah, that's like, so. When he finds her after she stabbed him and she grabs him, he grabs her. Sorry, it's like and she says he tried to, and he says, "I know, baby girl," and then runs out with her. And it's that that Joel knows that she's been caring for him, um, and looking after him. He knows that all he wants to do is get back to her and find her and protect her again. Um, and and finds her, and I'm sure that like elation and relief to find her, and he just grabs her and hugs her and says, and she's just a mess and falls into his arms, something that she hasn't done before, and she's broken and upset, and and it is a very it is an absolutely crucial moment to the game and a bigger moment than anyone ever even realizes, because Ellie's demeanor changes forever at this moment, and so does Joel's. Joel's changes to be of total love and adoration for Ellie and that he is her father figure. We saw doubts of it even to this point. Um, I know that that was kind of changed back as they were leaving Jackson, but even till this point, we still had that kind of disconnect between the two at times or not this kind of willingness to be open and show that, that kind of the thoughts and feelings. And now that's changed for Joel. However, Ellie, who was totally on board with that and, and, I mean, also not very open to showing anything, but not against this idea. Now suddenly is is against it because she's changed, because she's had a very near-death experience of some guy that tried to eat her. Um, and she's she's broken. She's a broken person from this moment, uh, moment onwards. And, and, and uh, then we see um, we're in spring and we are now on our way into Salt Lake City. Wow, it just like I'm just thinking about how how much has transpired, and how we're already at that point now. Mm-hmm. Just sidebar: mm-hmm. every time I play it, 
and it gets up to Salt Lake City, I start having um <clears throat> the song from Book of Mormon stuck in my head. I just <laughs> which one? Uh, the one that's about Salt Lake City, where she's like, like I want to go Salt Lake City. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> every time I get there, and I'm just like, "Yay, Book of Mormon!" So <laughs> now, isn't it, it interesting? Now, isn't it interesting though? As we we walk into Salt Lake City, there's Joel talking about, "Hey, I'm going to teach you how to play the guitar. We're going to do all this," and Ellie's just distant and not paying attention, and Joel has to keep going, "Ellie, Ellie," you know. Suddenly, Joel's the one making the conversation, and Ellie's the one that's distant and not responding. And also something that we see for the first time at this point and, and um, I think becomes very apparent to the audience. It certainly did for me when I played it. At the very start of the game, um, I think I mentioned this last week, but anyway, very start of the game, the two characters are programmed to stand very far apart throughout gameplay. Then yeah. we move on to the next season or, or when we meet um, uh, Henry and Sam and they start suddenly standing a lot closer together because they have to they're kind of we're a team you're, they're a team um, and so the game progresses with these two standing right next to each other being almost in, inseparable and now suddenly here we are and now Ellie's gone through this trauma and now she's the one that's distant she's the one that's standing far apart once again and, and not having anything to do and not interacting properly um, we get into the city and we get into the bus station and suddenly we climb a ladder. Well, Ellie climbs a ladder. And then she's meant to help Joel by passing a ladder down to him for him to get up. And then she just says, whoa, and drops the ladder and runs away. Now, you know how, Drew, before yeah. we start that, do you know how you were talking about how close they are? Yeah. One of my favorite things about the gameplay in this game in this game that I don't think they did in uh, the Drake universe as much is mm. that whenever Joel, you know how like usually when you and your AI, when you're like your, your partner get too close in most games, mm. you, you just kind of shove them aside or something mm-hmm. when you're at like boxes and stuff. If you creep up behind Ellie, rather than just shove her away, you actually mm. move around her to protect her. Yeah, you climb over her. Yeah, like it. Yeah. I I found that a lot. I found that really cool, and I found that works for the story as well. And it it's just something added that they have in this game that made it a lot more mm. interesting to play because it's it's that kind of story carrying on to your actual gameplay. Whereas a lot of games that you play, the gameplay you can like punch and kick your partner and nothing really Mm. happens this is actively no you're going to protect your partner even while in gameplay like forces Mm. you to kind of do that but yes so then yeah sorry no actually i was about to say drew i want to get your thoughts on the very next part but i also want to get your thoughts on the fact that at this moment when you're meant to hoist ellie up to to get the ladder for you to climb down that is um, awesome because they actually filmed normally that's a that's a um a controlled action you press a button um, as a test pop then you 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 press a button and that makes the character basically turn around and offer a hoist or, or to boost the partner up mm. they actually filmed a completely separate action for this one scene which was Joel turned around to hoist Ellie up and Ellie's not there and suddenly you have to say Ellie and you go over to her and normally there's you know you can you have these conversation interactions where you can 
someone will say something and you can press triangle to kind of respond to them. This is the one time that's totally optional. This is the one time where that's actually it's gameplay, but it's a it's a cinematic gameplay. You know, you're you're, you're kind of forced into playing this or, or directing this 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 um cinematic this cutscene because you turn around, Ellie doesn't take the boost. You have to walk over to her. You ask her what's wrong. She gets up. Then you boost her up. She gets the ladder for you. Now, Drew, what happens when she gets the ladder for you? Do you remember? She gets the ladder. She drops it down. They get up. Mm-hmm. And then, so, well, suddenly she drops the ladder down to you. Rather than handing it to you like she always does. Because she suddenly, saw something. She saw something and she You've runs. You've got to see this. Run, run, run. And then the music and changes. And the giraffes. To, yes, the giraffes. And the music changes yeah. that really bizarre but sweet kind of mm. unusual music, which I love. I love that music. So do you guys know the thing about the giraffes in the game? No. So if you, you when you play the game, Phil... Maybe I'm going to give you some insider knowledge on the game, which rarely ever happens because you know a lot more about it than I ever will. Um, Every time you see giraffes in the game, it's about Sarah. Sarah has a giraffe toy in her room. Um, And later when, like, things happen in the game that seem, like, fatherly, daughterly, or it's Ellie and... Joel bonding, you will always find a picture of a giraffe on the wall. There is also a giraffe on the wall in the children's wing at the hospital when you're running away. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have this moment with the giraffes in this scene, obviously, where Joel and Ellie are looking at the giraffe migration in Salt Lake City. Um, They come up a few times, but yeah, the giraffes are a constant thing that happen reoccurring in this game. And it always happens when Joel's thinking about his daughter. I didn't know that. Well, then I'd call across, I'd call upon two moments. Then Bianca, both moments in, to do with the watch. Um, now, one of which is this giraffe moment. Ellie and Joel are standing there looking at the giraffes, and then do you remember in the last episode I told you to to remember a piece of dialogue, which was, "You can't deny that view, though." When they're looking out yes. at the at Boston's um, town hall or Capitol building and the golden dome on it. Yes. And suddenly here we are in Salt Lake city looking at the view. And for the second time, Ellie says, can't deny that view though. And you just stop and look at the view and go, this game is gorgeous. And man, what a journey we've been on. We're coming towards the end of this journey together. And what a story we've had. It's been like, you get that moment to stop and pause, which I really liked. I'm glad they did that vista. That was wonderful. And with, with again, the music and with the giraffes. Uh, yeah. that That is a fun scene. And I also like the scene, that scene you can actually control how long you stay there. You can actually watch yeah. the giraffes completely and leave and then Joel will say, well, you know, we better be going. But if you you can leave whatever you want and it... it it's a cool scene. It is. I think it's a wonderful scene. Um, however, it's followed by one of probably the, the the big bosses of facing the infected, and that is the tunnel scene. Oh God, Drew, oh. how did you go in the tunnel scene? Oh God, I think I complained loud and long to you already about this. Mm-hmm. It drove me 
bonkers. I tried every which way imaginable of getting through that. I don't actually know how I did it in the end, to be honest. Do you know what I love about the tunnel scene? There's an optional what? side tunnel that's even harder to get through, but there's all this stuff on it that you, in it that you really want. So yeah, <laughs> but you know what's interesting about that? It's almost a glitch. Those infected in there, you can kill them in plain sight of the other one, and they won't do anything. Yes. Yeah, you can. Hang on, hang on. Are you talking about the side thing on the right hand side where you yeah. can go yeah. in, into the room? Yeah. Yeah, I did that every time. I did that every single time. I got all the stuff out of there. The good thing about doing that one is that you have the back of the truck to hide behind. So you can throw a bottle, lure um, a bloater or a bunch infected over, throw a Molotov at them, kill a lot of them. If it's not a, if you haven't killed the bloater, throw a couple of nail bombs at them and it'll kill them. I think it's about three hits of a combination of, of them, of bombs that you can throw. Um, we'll kill them and then suddenly you're safe and you can almost sneak past the rest, basically. As long as you've got one bloater which kind of blocks the walkway out of the way you're safe i think i've actually done it where i've snuck past all of them except for the side tunnel because i went and got the stuff um but yeah i think i think i did do one where i just snuck past everyone it's hard but it's doable i can tell you that i've done it very easily once the game glitched and there was not a single infected in the tunnel at all so i just ran through i yeah i ran through you could hear them but there was no one around. So I just ran through the whole thing, like sprinted through it. Very easy. And I remember <laughs> being like, that was, yeah, I was like, wow, that was very easy. Where were all the infected? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, there was no one. It was wonderful. Perfect no, I, worked in my favor. I remember walking up to, because right before the tunnel, you get a whole bunch of crossbows, cry, mm-hmm. like a whole bunch of arrows, sorry for your uh, crossbow. And like, it, you're just watching it and you see all this all these arrows and I'm like, arrows are silent. Something's mm. coming up. The first what time I played it, I'm like, yeah, something's coming up that I have to be really silent for. Like they're telling me, be stealthy. <laughs> because if you're not stealthy, they'll all fucking come at you and it's not pretty. <laughs> now, the other thing, Drew, I hope that when you enter the tunnel, rather than heading straight towards the direction that you're supposed to go, I hope you turned around and went back the way that you weren't supposed to go, where it was almost a dead end down the second tunnel kind of thing. Because um, there was some pills there, I believe, or bits of bits of parts or something like that down there. So there's some loot for you to, to gather in there. And that's what I meant. I, the everything. way... Okay, so the way I the way I did it in the end that, that worked, because I found that tunnel, the, the secondary tunnel, before anything else was happening in the game. Like, before I, before I even tried to deal with the bloater or anything, I was actually going in there first. But what I wound up doing, I wound up trying to deal with the bloater the first bloater the one at the Mm -hmm. front and all the stuff around there i would deal with all of that first in the water and use the flamethrower and flick the first part of them then i went around to the secondary got the three guys in the second tunnel grabbed everything out of there and then came back around and dealt with the other two bloaters with a mix of molotovs um nail bombs and flamethrower See, y'all well are so fancy. That was the I way just... I looped around. It was just, it took a lot of goes, but I got there in the end. I would genuinely just sit on top of a bus with an arrow, <laughs> with the arrows, and just take them out one by one by one. It's not a bad strategy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, further on into the tunnel, suddenly um, Joel gets trapped in a bus and almost, well, basically is stuck and almost about to drown. Ellie, who can't swim, jumps onto the bus and helps him. The bus gets washed away, away by a lot of water. Um, you try to get it go after Ellie because obviously she can't swim. Then you wash up on a shore um, of the tunnel. Uh, there's a hole in the roof and basically you're stuck on top of debris. And you very kind of half unconscious say, where is she? Oh, no, sorry. You're trying to revive Ellie because she's unconscious. And then uh, these soldiers knock you out. Suddenly you come to and you're face to face with Marlene, who you haven't seen since um, leaving the Boston quarantine zone. So and, long ago. Uh, so long ago at the other end of a journey. And she's like, I can't believe you made it. And Joel's like, yeah, how is Ellie? And then Marlene says, she's okay. Drew, do you remember what what she says next or, or the gist of what she says next? No, I, do, I, I don't. <laughs> gist is that um, Ellie's fine. They're prepping her for surgery because that was the whole point of them getting oh, there. And, yeah. and, and yep. Joel says, uh, can I see yep. her? And they say, no, you can't. She's unconscious. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they start talking about the the process and what's going to happen and everything like that. And basically, they're going to have to remove the brain um, in order to uh, get to the the fungus, or they're going to to look at the infected area. And Joel comes to the realization that they to remove the brain, or if it's on the brain, that will kill Ellie. And Marlene says, "Yeah, but it's the only choice we have." And Joel just says, "Absolutely not. Find someone else." To which Marlene says. Get him out of here, and if he tries anything, shoot him, and walks off in a huff. So as you're walking as Joel, getting let out the door, basically, he then stops and snaps and cracks it and kills this guy while interrogating him and getting him to get, get, get the answer for us of where she is. And then comes the last stage of the game, Drew, the hospital. The hospital. The hospital, which was riddled with even more tape recorders, which were quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Marlene's I... tape recorders. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I made an absolute point of finding all of those because mm-hmm. I found that really fascinating how it was filling in gaps from the entirety of the story, as well as filling in the immediate gaps where Joel is searching for her. Yeah, look, you know what's interesting about that? It's it's along with the, the notes that you could find throughout the game. You, you're absolutely right, Drew, in that it, it is telling bits of information for what's happening right now. Again, we refer to Isha's stories in, in the sewers. You know, we're, we're kind of uncovering different rooms, and then we're finding a note which tells us all about that room that we're in. Not directly, but just a expose, telling us about what their life was like and what they were doing here. Um, but then there will also be things that would... You know, there'd be side stories, but also relevant to the current story. So I absolutely love it. I think they worked it in so well. You get that in, yeah, like you said, you get that in every area. Like you get in Pittsburgh, you find out more about the hunters and about the fact that they've been hunting a lot of people. There are other people that they, that had escaped. Um, You find out about Henry's friends before you meet Henry and Sam. Mm. Um, You also find out about how the two kind of, all the quarantine zones that you visit, how they fell and what happened to them. Yeah, and what happened to but Even in um, Salt Lake City, when you're still, like, walking around with Ellie, you find out, mm-hmm. you know, people back in the day used to think that they could send letters in between the quarantine zones and, like, families were trapped at different quarantine zones and they thought it was going to be okay, like, it was just going to be you had to travel between them kind of thing. 
the government were protecting mm. you. Like you find out all these really cool stories in the background, and I think, I think there was like a massive motivation for me to find out what was happening at the hospital because it was just so interesting. Like Marlene's take on it and everything, and then the surgeons' tapes and the journals—they were really interesting. And it was such a juxtaposition between the fact that you are once again on the offensive but also on the defensive because these people have trapped you there. (laughs) Like, Mm. (laughs) they've they've kidnapped you, kind of. Like, you were going there and then they didn't do what they was promised and so kidnapped, kind of, whatever. And now you're trying to protect Ellie again and it's back to that whole of, well, he's not going to let anything bad happen to her. So you're fighting everyone, but then you fight, you pause and you read these notes and you're like, this is what's happening in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that it was moving really quickly through the hospital as well. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when a story feels like it's just going at a complete juggernaut to the end. Yep that was what it felt like going through there and i was i was so caught up in it and i was enjoying it so much and the fact that i felt like the story was moving as quickly as the gameplay mm-hmm. well that's the like, thing isn't it you're trying to save ellie from this surgery that she's already induced for so it makes sense that it was just as fast yeah and when when a when you know when Joel bursts into the room where she's on the table, and I for a split second I I, I was there going okay, what do I like? It just felt off because they're not really they're not really holding any kind of weapon at him, but I I ended up just sh- I just shot all three of them and and took her and ran. So here's I the thing, I never knew you could shoot them. so so whenever i played it for some reason in all the years that i played the game Mm. right yeah i never knew that you could shoot the surgeons i just didn't do it i just because if you you can also just walk up to him and like push him away (laughs) and he'll just fall on the ground and he'll as you grab ellie he'll yell at you and be like oh don't take her blah 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 you don't know what you're doing and but here's the kicker if you don't shoot them and then you leave and you turn around, because this is what I did all these years, they still yeah. die because the other fireflies... <laughs> no, get this. The other fi- fireflies come in and try and shoot you but accidentally hit them. So... <laughs> what? Well, I can tell you that makes the second one difficult. But anyway. I just assumed that if you didn't shoot them, the, they'd stop you. <laughs> No. Now, Drew, there's, there's another there's <laughs> I another just never thought point. they could fight back. <laughs> there's, an, there's another contentious point here. Um, the lead surgeon, the one that kind of holds the scalpel at you, the one that you encounter yeah. as you first walk through the door. Yeah. Do you remember what skin colour he was? No. <laughs> so on some people's games, that man is black. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um... In some people's game, he is white. Now, so he changes. Now, he plays somewhat of a role in the sequel. Definitely white in the sequel. 
And he, in the sequel, he's definitely white. However, a lot of people are coming out and saying, hang on, he was a black guy for me. Why the fuck is he a white guy now? And I, I'm very confused by it. I have a theory of this. And Does it's... it make a difference depending on what console you played it on? I don't no, think so. I think it's a randomization because you know how, like, um, you know how, like, all the bad guys, like, the like, they're all just the same model, but just reused over and over again. I just think there was multiple models for the surgeon, and it was just like randomly generated, and it didn't really matter. But Bianca, my 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 issue with this part is that it just shows how little they'd given thought of a sequel at this point, which makes this the story of the sequel even worse. But anyway, moving on from that. Um, but, before, but actually, continuing quickly, because uh, it kind of ties back into Marlene's journals. I want to say something that I've always thought when I played the first game was that I was always shocked by because up until and I thought it was always shocking because up until you get to the hospital the fireflies are the good guys like you mm-hmm. the fireflies are the heroes even Joel is sketchy but the fireflies are like they're the good guys they're trying to do right by humanity where Fedra being selfish and they're trying to liberate people oh, sorry fireflies are trying to liberate people Joel is sketchy as he's a smuggler he does dodgy things but they were good people and then you listen to marlene's tapes and marlene's supposedly supposed to care about ellie because it's you know she took care of her and all that but that this was the first time when i was playing the game that i realized that marlene had only been taking care of ellie for a year but she'd known about ellie since she was born Uh and ellie only met her a year ago and it was because in Marlene's tapes, whenever she's talking about Ellie, she only calls her Ellie once in the entire thing. Every other time she either calls her Anna's daughter, who was Ellie's mum and um, Marlene's friend, or... Um, the girl. The girl. She never calls her Ellie. And I thought this was a really interesting point, especially when it comes to the second game. Because an Ellie always calls Marlene like her mum's friend and admits that she doesn't really know her in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I don't think... A lot of people have been speaking recently about the fact that Marlene really cared about Ellie and it must have been really hard for Marlene to let Ellie die. But I'm of the personal belief that Ellie only mattered to Marlene as far as honouring her dead friend. Yeah, I agree. Because one of the tape recordings even mentions that, that she's just, she misses her friend, not Ellie. She misses her friend. And she asks Anna, Ellie's mum, for forgiveness. She yeah. never, she never asks Ellie because she never wakes Ellie up. She never talks to Ellie. But we're, we're led to believe in the second game, I, like, this is irrelevant, that Ellie and Marlene had some sort of very close bond and relationship. When Ellie herself says in the beginning of the first game, I don't really know her that well. I kind of just met her. She's a friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then the last, very last moments of this game, obviously we see an interaction between Joel and Marlene in the car park and Marlene is killed by Joel. Mm -hmm. Joel, Because Joel basically says, you'll just come after her basically. 
Um, and then, uh, yeah, Ed, Joel lies to Ellie in the car. Ellie starts to come to as they drive back to Jackson, and Ellie says, "What happened?" And Joel says, "You're not, you're not, you're not unique. They have lots of people like you. They did some tests and have found that you are not unique." Now, the very, very last moment of the game is another vista. It's overlooking Jackson. It's a vista that we then see in the second game as well. Um, Drew, do you remember the gist of this conversation, or should we have Bianca run us through the gist of this conversation? The conversation with Marlene, the conversation between the Joel and, No, the one between Joel and Ellie overlooking Jackson, just before the credits roll. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, probably better that Bianca runs us <laughs> through it, because you've played it far more times. I've played it but, too many times. But no, I, I do remember that... I do remember the gist of the conversation, but yes, please explain. So Joel and Ellie get back to Jackson. It's obviously been a very long journey back because Ellie's a bit emotional and not talking as much. She's still the same kind of distance she was in Salt Lake City. Um, She and Joel get out of the car because that's as far as they can take it and it's not that far of a walk to Jackson. They walk through a small little great grove that, yeah, just every scene in the game is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, There is so much to find even in that little scene and it's the end of the game and you're like, what the fuck? Um, And then you get to the top of the mountain, Joel helps her up the last ledge and Ellie turns to Joel and is like, I need you to tell me the truth. Um, and don't lie to me. About, swear to me. Swear to me about what happened back in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, and everything Joel, that you told me about the fireflies is true. Yeah. Swear to me. Everything that you told me about the fireflies. And Joel looks Ellie in the eye and says, "I swear," or "I promise." He says, well, "I swear." I swear. Yeah. And then the credits roll. The you hear the um, wonderful um, banjo playing by Gustavo Santayonella. I think and, does the uh, best sound. Like his soundtrack, soundtrack for both the games is out of awesome. this world. And then the credits mm. roll, and uh, that's that's Naughty Dog's greatest creation right there. Now, uh, Drew, what did you think of the game? What do, were your thoughts towards the game as a whole? Playing the story, the gameplay, the world, the creatures, um, the side stories, um, the character development, the characters. What did you think? It was the first time a game felt like a movie to me. And I've played many games based on movies. And... I've played a lot of games that have intended to be cinematic, but this was the first time that the storytelling flowed like a film and Mm. it felt like something different and it certainly felt like something special. And I got that very early on. So I, I'm thoroughly impressed with it as far and away. One of the best games I think I've ever played Mm -hmm. and Regardless of what I've been told by the two of you about the second one, I am still very excited at the idea of playing it. Because the first game makes you want more. Yeah. Um, if you had to give it a score out of 
10 on a personal level and a technical level. I would say five marks going to a best out of five for um, gameplay and a best out of five for um, the story and the cinematics and stuff like that. So gameplay, um, gameplay wise and visual wise, and then story and cinematic wise. Four and a half out of five for each. So the whole thing gets a nine out of ten. Well done. Well done, I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It just it, I don't actually find it hard. Bianca? I think gameplay-wise, for the time that it came out as well, I think it deserves a five out mm-hmm. of five. And um, story-wise, you know, it's one of my... F- you know it is my favourite game, so five out of five. So I, I'd give it a ten. I, 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 I love the first game. I'm right there with you, Bianca. I can still recall seeing a an E3 gameplay trailer um, for The Last of Us Part 1. And uh, there was a moment where we were in the hotel in Pittsburgh um, facing against the scavengers, and one of them shoots at you. And then you hear Ellie say, um, hey, dickhead, or something like that, and he, she picks up a bottle and throws it at him. And the whole crowd cheers because it was one of the first times we've seen a... Um, side character actually do something for you it brought in such amazing mechanics yes it wasn't probably the greatest gameplay of all time but i think for what it was able to introduce the link between the cinematics and the gameplay um the the little things and the things that the, the crafting system being the first crafting system in a naughty dog game it gets a five out of ten for that stuff Story-wise, then, it absolutely also gets a 5 out of 10 because it is such a wonderful, sweet story. Um, Two characters who are worlds apart suddenly become together. Um, The character development is phenomenal. Yeah, it's an absolute 10 out of 10 for me as well. Uh, And and yes, Drew, I agree with you. It makes you want to play more and makes you want to have a second story to it. Um, Mm. Now, though... From there, then let's let's while we have a little bit more time left, um, branch across and say where Naughty Dog began, which was Crash Bandicoot. Be back to Crash. Back to back Crash. To crash. And we do love our Crash. We do love Crash, and I guess what we can say is it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think what we could also say is this fourth game, which is coming out, is about time. So it is about time. It is also called It's About Time. So three different versions of the same line. Um, Drew, what are our thoughts and feelings? We're getting another Crash Bandicoot game, finally. I'm so excited. I am so happy. A proper sequel. And they even pay um, pay a little joke at that expense in the trailer for the game. They're like, uh-huh. oh, weren't there other ones in between? No, no. No, no. They don't We're count. finally getting it. Crash Bandicoot 3 was the first game I ever got when I got a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. That was that was the game that we got with our PlayStation when we got it. We also and got that with the PlayStation. I remember the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I totally yeah. That's, you, well, that was like when the PlayStation first came out, I think. That PlayStation. You, it was the second yeah. one, wasn't it? No, it was the PSX. It was the original PlayStation. So it wasn't even the miniature version. It was the proper PlayStation. But they had released... They had released it in a box that had... 
because do you remember PlayStation used to release the console in two boxes? There'd be whatever the promotional box on the outside was, and then you'd open that, and it was a thinner cardboard box, and then you'd open that, and then the PlayStation box was on the inside of that, and that was the thick cardboard in the grey box. The outer box, I remember, was a black box with a silhouette of Crash and Coco on the motorcycle, which was the symbol for Crash 3. And whatever deal mum and dad got for it, wherever they bought it, I think they bought it at Harvey Norman. Mm. And they got Crash Bandicoot 3 with it, and they got one other game. I think it might have been Cricket 2000 or something. or cricket. Yeah, it was, it was a cricket game. I yeah. I just remember getting I don't remember which I don't remember what it was with but I remember getting a crash game with the PlayStation. But I remember we had all the games. We had all the crash games on PlayStation. So like cuz we me and my brother and I were massive fans of it. So yeah. I think because we couldn't we didn't have a Nintendo so we couldn't play Mario. <laughs> it was it was the closest thing we could get to Mario on PlayStation, but yeah. I, yeah, I love Crash. Crash was fantastic. Some of my best childhood memories were um, of Crash Three. Um, I, I did. I, I have Crash. I had Crash Two. I think um, Nitro Fuel was Crash Two. Was it not? I what? think Which one? so. Nit- Nitro was... Fueled. Yeah. Nitro Fueled. Yeah. Was that number two? What the second Crash Racing? No, 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 not, no, 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 not racing. The second game. Oh, was regular crash. Nitro. Yeah, yeah regular the crash. second game. No, no, no. Cortex, Cortex strikes back. What was the third Which one? What did I have? So it was Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot Two, Cortex strikes back, Crash Bandicoot Three, Warped, then Crash Team Racing, then Crash Nitro Kart, That's then fun. Crash Bash, then I don't remember whatever. Okay, came then after it was the Crash it was- Bash. It was Cortex Strikes Strikes Back. It was Cortex Strikes Back. I don't know why I thought. Yeah, so that's number two. I was thinking of the the Crash Team Racing. No, I was thinking of the trilogy, which is called Nitro Fuel or something like that. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking of. I had the second one. It was wonderful. Great game. Um, Great time playing the PlayStation 1 at my friend's house um, and playing the third game. I think we were up most of the night and his mum joined us even. We are all just playing. It was such an awesome time. Um, And yeah, I, I love it. And I cannot wait to play this one. I loved... In Uncharted 4, the fact that they had a little bit of um, Crash Bandicoot incorporated into it, they had the boulder run basically, almost a, you know, paying tribute to the fact that the game almost feels like an Indiana Jones game to have the boulder dash um, in the game. I thought that was awesome to have that. And yeah, I'm so excited to have a, a new game. Hopefully, it goes back to the original controls and not the updated version of it, which we got on the, um, the re released trilogy. But let's see. I cannot wait though. Do you know what I did love re- playing the re-release trilogy after I'd played all of the Nathan Drake series? Hmm. There's so much of the Nathan Drake series that you just see in Crash. Like, well, well the World, worlds, the worlds. Yeah. They love the, the the kind of tropical forest sort of world, that lush sort of rainforest kind of feel. Um, but not there just that, certain... like the parts where like you've got to go off camera to do stuff yeah like just i i feel like even you know um what do you call it uh 
what were we just talking about? The Last of Us. Like the fact that the scavenging <laughs> comes out in there, but there's always like little tricks and little maps that you have to complete and little like puzzles, which is the same thing you have to do on Crash. Like it was really weird playing because I think when Crash, the re-release came out, I had just finished all of the Naked and Drake trilogy for like the hundredth mm. time. And and I think I just finished the, the for the first time the one with the two chicks. It was, I can't remember that, that game's name. But, um, yeah, like, it was just so weird. And then playing it and you just see, like, all these little nods to what they do in the future. Mm. And it's like even Crash was a base. Because Naughty Dog are very good at using everything they've previously done in the next game and, and jump spring jumping off that. And you can just see they've even done it with Crash, which was really weird. <laughs> I think in some ways that the upstream level in Crash Bandicoot, I think that inspired them to do the jet skiing. Uh, no, in fact, the jet ski scene in the first Crash Bandicoot game, that chapter is called Upstream, purely yeah. because the Crash Bandicoot mission Upstream is called Upstream. And yeah. also a jet ski type thing. Like, I but, love that they're, they're, they're paying homage to their, their history. But yeah, you even yeah, you go up the river and you're in in Uncharted. You're going up a river and avoiding bombs, which is exactly what you do mm-hmm. in Crash. And I yeah, I don't know. It wasn't until I played Crash again that I realized all those references. Absolutely. All I can say is that we're very much excited um, for the game. Cannot wait. Hopefully, it is going to be a sequel that we can get behind and enjoy because um, we haven't had one of those so far this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. That gets us, though, onto our sick end of the week. I don't know if we have any ideas, team. Um, if we don't, um, I'm sure I could think of something. No, I've... Uh, I, I really do not enjoy constantly giving it to people who've passed away, but we've actually lost a legendary film composer in the last couple of days. Yes, we absolutely have. We who who um composed a score which I think suits a movie better than most soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I completely agree, Drew. Yeah, so we we do mourn the loss of Hollywood legend Ennio Morricone, who composed over four hundred different scores for film and television which is just astounding, to be honest. Even more astounding is the fact that he did not get an Oscar until he composed the very score that Phil is referring to, mm-hmm. The Hateful Eight. Absolutely. I cannot believe he didn't. How could he that, not? I, I don't understand that. I've, I've listened to a number of his scores over the years and you know as a kid that was fascinated with movies and watching westerns with my mum who absolutely loves westerns and hearing his work in them I I could never figure out how he had not been honoured more than you know how how was he not winning that award among many others and yet everyone in the business knew him and the fact that so many people watching westerns or just watching films that he'd worked on knew that that was his music. You could tell the second you hear it, you know it's him. I think it's wonderful. And I think this score was fantastic for that. And in fact, in, mm. in, in all the films that he composed for that, that I've seen, yeah, like it is such an iconic score. It's wonderful. So 
I completely agree. Um, yeah, I stand by that. Totally, Drew. Very worthy second of the week. Yeah, just absolutely amazing. Um, I will have to go listen to more of his music, but... He did... Um, he did all of Sergio Leone's films from A Fistful of, Don- a Fistful of Dollars onwards. Dollars. Uh, he also did Cinema Paradiso, which if you have not seen Cinema Paradiso, go out and watch it immediately. It is one of the greatest films of all time and has been recognised worldwide as one of the greatest films ever made. And mm-hmm. that was his incredible work on that as well. Um yeah, I I think he's more than worthy of it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, okay, that moves us, though, to what the quote. Now, uh, we did have a correct guess for last week's one. That was from my mother, in fact, reached out to me. She messaged me <laughs> and actually went, I know exactly what quote that is. Um, it is from Dumber Dumber. That quote being, hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Like that. Very annoying, very noisy. I took my headphones off right before you started because I was like, oh, my God, I know what's coming. (laughs) I did it softly. I did it softly. He's going to do it. Yeah, I did it softly. He's going to do it. Um, But, yes, no, that was the what the quote for last week. Drew this week has the what the quote for this week. Take it away, Drew. Yeah. Uh, You've left me in this this rather tricky pickle of picking one. I actually have one if you guys don't want one. I, I, I do have one, it's all, but do you want to give yours? It's up to you. No, no, I'm completely up to you. I've just got a backup one in case. All right. Well, if you can save your backup one for next week. I can I do have, that. I, this is actually my all-time favourite film quote. Um, mostly because it just never stops making me laugh. And it goes, yeah, but John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. Absolutely brilliant. I love <laughs> That's it. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm actually watching that exact thing at the moment, Drew. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, because it's appeared on UK Netflix. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, has it now? Well, there's yeah. some How additional fantastic. hints, everyone. It's appeared on UK Netflix now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can go looking for it that way. Um, but no, get, get, uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Um, cat street podcast, I think is our Twitter handle. Am I right? I think it is. Um, yes. or, or cat street, hashtag cat street. Um, or even reach out to us on Facebook or our SoundCloud or iTunes or one, Spotify one accounts. Exactly right. Um, yes, but that will do us for this week. Thank you very much. It's been a long one, but of course, when we're talking about all things, the last of us and video games, we can talk for 150 years nonstop. Thank you very much, Bianca. As always, I love having you on the show. I'm very glad that you were with us once again this week. Thank you for always having me. More than Thank more you for coming back every week. We love it. Genuinely, exactly right. I'm in the group chat and you just message me and you're like, so are you on? And I'm like, well, you've already alerted me. So, yeah, sure. So. <laughs> it's a yes. It's a yes. Um, Drew, thank you as always. Here we are, 140, 148th episode is this one? 148 yeah. weeks consist, well, almost weeks. We did have a couple of weeks off, but we always got an episode out in time. But 148 editions together, not missed one. Um, and yes, thank you, audience, as always. Until, yes. Until we meet again. Yep. Yeah.